Hello, everyone, and welcome to something of an impromptu episode of Small Council Radio. I am Brett. Here in just a second, I will be joined by Craig, and uh, we're going to kind of just go over some things from Adepticon 2023. We'll talk about um, what the meta there looked like, some interesting things that we saw. We're not going to go over every single list or anything like that, but we'll talk about our matches what we found difficult, what some really cool and unique lists were that may have done surprisingly well. And uh, and we'll kind of go over that. Sorry, I'm not used to running this switchboard. I'm trying to let him in. Are you in here, Craig? Are you no, I'm now, not Craig? in here. Ah, now you're no. in here. Okay. I clicked the right button. I'm so, like, I'm still so computer illiterate. It's really, it's not even funny. Like, it's it's kind of ridiculous how much I depend on other people to help me with technology. Like, I can, I, I've done a few things here and there, a little bit, like, way more than what I've ever done. But I still struggle so hard, and it, like, it's definitely got intimidating presence on me. Like, intimidating presence, and it stacks with you, 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 and all kinds of other stuff. Like, I take... I take panics for technology at like a negative eight. Because you're so old. How you do? It's, that's true. I am old. <laughs> I am old. I am old playing a young man's game. So how are you doing tonight, bud? I'm good. I'm good. Um, second time on here today. Yeah. Unfortunately, I was sleeping when Carla was on. I really would have liked to be part of that episode um, to kind of be able to hear his insights and pick his brain. I will be able to go back obviously and listen to the episode but it would have been really nice to join him and uh yeah there was just a vast difference of what was working in the u.s and what was what was working overseas and um i think it's i mean my opinion on that would be that it's just um it's just an it's an unexplored meta it's an unexplored game i think the small ripple effects of this little tiny patch have translated to a lot bigger than, you know, a lot of people thought at first. Um, it's opened the door for a lot of things that you wouldn't expect. Uh, we've seen some things that had kind of gone back into the shadow and now they're coming back out into the light. Um, just with a few simple changes, they've become relevant again. And then we've seen a few new things come out and, uh, and shine. So, um, I guess you can start if you want. Um, we're just going to kind of take a stab at, you know, we just we just played a 46-person event. That's a pretty large number anywhere. It's it's really big for the U.S. Typically, because the U.S. is so big, it's hard to get a lot of the big names together in one place. But there was a very very big draw to Adepticon this year, and we had a lot of heavy hitters show up. So it was super cool to have us all here and kind of fight it out and see what was what was going to be great. So. Um, What's your initial take? It can be like a hot take or fresh off of Adepticon. Was there stuff that surprised you? I mean, what what do you think of the meta right now? Uh, first, to touch on Adepticon itself, um, it was double the size that it was last year, which is a huge accomplishment. Um, in addition to that, I think every major U.S. tournament winner from the last two years was there. Um, Luke from Gen Con was there, uh, Kurt from LVO, me from LVO, you from whatever event you got lucky and won that one time or ten times. <laughs> um, so 
I'm not going to say all of the best players in the U.S. were there, but it was. Well, Bob was there, Chris Tran. I mean, it really was a who's who of U.S. players there. Um, so that, <coughs> excuse me, that in itself made it an awesome event, and then everyone else being there too. It was probably the best event I've been to, even though it was five games in one day. So hats off to Marty and everyone else involved, and thanks to everyone who traveled. I know Luke came a long way. Um, yeah, so thanks to everyone that was involved in in it. Um, and it, of course, worth mentioning yeah. again, we we had a we had a gentleman from Poland there, and and I, it can't be overstated enough. You know, the guy from Poland was there. It's freaking awesome. And uh, Canadian. Yeah, Sean Emberley. Sean Emberley. He uh, he was yep. there last year as well, and uh, yep. yeah, he's always a, he's always a great dude to have around. Oh, for sure. He was the only free folk player, wasn't he? He was the only free folk player. Which, of all the things that surprised me, that was the biggest shock because it isn't it isn't just what um, the date on a Song of Ice and Fire stats collects. It's I mean it's my gut feeling on it as well. Is that free folk? They, despite mostly being nerfed, Free Folk, uh, I hate saying the term nerf, despite most of Free Folk changes being like point increases and adjustments to their cards to reduce their effectiveness and, and obviously losing the Mance bubble, Free Folk were still probably the biggest winner of that patch. I mean, and the fact that Mag got the four point reduction as a commander and Varamir stayed untouched, Raiders stayed untouched. Endless Horde, I mean, you're not bringing on that activation immediately and getting the tempo, but in a lot of ways, the, the reworked Endless Horde is better. Like, you're getting you're getting it out of your hand. You don't have to fight with field control or counterplot. I mean, I guess it, it could still be counterplotted, but um, you don't have to fight with that initial play to get the raiders out. They just come on after the unit dies, and, I mean, that's not... I just think it, it's 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 arguably better than it was. Maybe you know some situations it's better, some situations it's not. But it's definitely a super good card, and I expect it to see a lot of free folk. Um, they just didn't lose enough, and not not only have they risen in the stat standing, they have risen and set. They were they're higher now than they were when they than they were when they had mans, and they're they're benefiting from the changed landscape to some of the other things that scared them, just like before when Relentless was changed to not work on ranged attacks, Free Folk Rose. Some of the changes that happened, particularly Night's Watch, because those two seemed to kind of tee off on each other and hold each other in check a little bit. Um, Night's Watch lost Relentless. They no longer, well, they didn't lose Relentless. They lost the nested activation that comes from Relentless. They can, Night's Watch can no longer keep up with Free Folk activations in any capacity. And so it just seems like Free Folk but <laughs> they kind of came in and, and stole it away again. Um, and it's, it's interesting that it was only Sean and, and for all purposes, he did really well. Yeah, he did. I think if you look on stats and maybe I'm incorrect, but if you go to their website, it looks like uh free folk ELO is actually still climbing. I mean, at some it point is. there has to be a ceiling to hit, but I don't know last when I, that is. Last day, last I had looked, they were up to about 80 and I think even during the Mance reign, they were hanging out in the 55 to 60 area. So, yeah, they mm-hmm. just 
they're substantially stronger and we'll see. I mean, we'll see, right? Um, They, they feel beatable now though. I mean, the numbers show they're not, but they feel beatable. They didn't before. I mean, playing them is no longer an unpleasant experience. It, yeah, Um, uh, no, playing Sean, it was, it it wasn't unpleasant. Um, That was a game that could have gone very poorly um, for me. Sean runs four giants in his mag list. He, he opts for the two NCU. I will actually debate anyone and say that in a five objective mission in particular, or a mission where ranks count as wounds, running the two NCU and bringing four giants is just better. Um, going into that match, I was, I was terrified that he was going to just put giants on the objectives and guard the center objective with mag and then you know just you know i'm running like ranger hunters and vanguard that have no hope of contesting like one one on a on a on a token it's just not going to happen the i would have to try to redirect you know three combat units or so over to a far objective and try to deal with one giant but with craster being out activated and things like this there's no there's just no guarantee i can contest and then, I mean, I would realistically have to contest two to win, and it, it's just not – those odds are not great. Those odds are not great by the time I direct my army over to them, and he's got Lady Val to turn around and charge stuff in the rear with Mag. It's just not a good situation. Yeah, um, I agree with everything you've said, except for one point you made so far, and that is that you were surprised that there was only one Free Folk player there. Or, or one person brought free folk, I should say. Um, I wasn't looking at the list of names there. The people known for free folk weren't on that list. Um, and the U.S. as a whole, as we've talked about in the past um, somewhat, we never liked free folk. I don't know what it is. It just never was big here in the States. I haven't, apart from Gen Con last year, I almost never saw them at any major tournaments that I was involved in apart yeah, that, from Gen Con last year. That's fair. That, that actually is a really good point, and it's, it's a fair assessment. The, uh, the, American, the American meta overall, the U.S. players for the most part. There's, now, there are free folk players, but in terms of you know, the names that you see at major U.S. events, it's typically they just don't, they don't want to play free folk. Um, I know Mark Rupp initially was a free folk player, he and I were talking going into Adepticon, and right when the patch dropped, he was excited. He was like, ooh, you know, I think I'll actually finally get to run Free Folk and not feel bad about it. And then he messaged me like a day or two later, and he was like, nope, nope, I'm still, he said, I'm still not running Free Folk. Um, Mag, is, uh, Mag is completely broken, and, and Varamir is still one of the most broken releases that we've ever seen in the game. And so I'm just not going to take them. And it's, I, it's, I don't want to get too much into it and, and sit and focus on it, but it's 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 difficult to argue with his logic. The the mat the the um the three for five that Varamir brings into this version of the game is absolutely just ridiculous. Um anyway, moving on from Free Folk, what was the most popular faction? I mean I can pull a Vice and Fire stats up here and look at the stats for the event. Um I'm guessing it was probably Nightwatch or, or Lannister. Um, they're usually pretty well represented in the U.S. scene. 
um, to find it. Mar- Martel was up there too. Uh, yeah. I should have brought this up before the show. Okay. I apologize, I'll... everybody listening, that we were unprepared. Okay, so well, we can... 24% Baratheons. Oh, that is so that is so unbelievably American. <laughs> this is the most American thing I've ever seen. Baratheons, Lannisters, and then the brand new faction round out the top three. That's actually that is incredible. Twenty four percent Baratheons. I mean, they have always been incredibly popular in the U.S. Um, would not have even when they're terrible. They love they love their Baratheons, man. They are probably the most loyal fan base, particularly in the U.S. I mean, they're just, whew, they they are loved. Um, yeah, so we've got the stats pulled up. Um, you've got Night's Watch sitting at a 61% win rate, Greyjoys at 60%, which is great. Um, we I think uh, there was a gentleman who placed in the top 10 with Greyjoys, which is really nice to see. Um, considering how much um, negativity there is about Greyjoys at the moment. And I'm not going to try to gaslight any any players that, that feel sad about Greyjoys, but it's good to see a Greyjoy person finish in the top ten. Um, you've got... Came in seventh. You've got Free Folk at 60% again, which is 100% Sean. He lost to me, and I, I, apparently he lost another game as well. Targaryen's at 55%. Martell's at 53 um, four of those ten wins obviously were you. Lannisters at a dead fifty percent. Starks at forty percent, which is fairly low, and then very, very sad. Baratheons most games played forty-one, fifteen wins at thirty-seven percent. And then you you can go into commander commander win rate, but it, I don't really think it tells too much of a story. Jon no. Snow sitting at Jon Snow sitting at seventy-three percent. With 16 wins, that I'm not, I'm not overly surprised by that number because I won five and Micah won five, so that's 10 yeah. of the 16 wins just from Micah and I. And Bob went four and one, so that's 14 of the 16 wins from three dedicated Night's Watch players in the U.S. Not overly surprised that Jon Snow did that well, and I think all of us ran Jon Snow, did Jon Snow pretty much throughout. So um, Euler at uh, 69% again nine wins not overly surprised you carried four of those wins because you, you ran Mueller 100% of the time Drogo at 67% not really surprised by that um, looking at the patch you kind of just got the sense that uh, Drogo got a small buff to the Blood Riders what he does in Flaidman really didn't change um, almost nothing changed as far as that goes he just got cheaper dragons that he can add to his list if he chooses, and he got a Harakar buff, uh, a straight Harakar buff, and Harakar were present. Harakar were present. Um, 67% for Roos and Lannister. Not overly surprising. He's one of their best commanders. The Kevin sitting at 53 is a bit of a surprise, but he did play 17 games, so Kevin is probably perceived as the most powerful. I think that he and Roos and maybe Tyrion probably are the most powerful, but the perception of Kevin being just the absolute best choice is going to be like a self-fulfilling prophecy. People are going to run him as a result. The more people running him, not everyone can win, so the win rate's going to go down. Um, yeah, these numbers, I'm not going to go through all of them, 
not overly surprising, nothing overly shocking or anything to nothing to really worry about here, to be honest. Um, it's not, yeah, it's not. No, I agree. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think any commander skews. I mean, you have the two commanders, John and, um, Harmon who are outside of that 60, 40 to 60% win rate that you want to see. Um, but I mean, like you mentioned, look who's playing them. I went four and one, you went, we don't want to talk about it. Um, Michael went five and oh. You know, so it, most of those wins came from the top players in the room. Um, mm-hmm. That had we all run something else, then those wins would have gone to another commander, most likely. Mm-hmm. So and I, and I, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, and then I was just going to say, and this is one U.S. event. Um, the I think it's 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 too it's too early to really criticized unless this is repeated across multiple large U.S. events that you see Harmon Uller, Jon Snow. Um, call Drogo, I mean, nine, nine games isn't a concern. If you see Drogo run 20 times and he maintains a 67 to 75%, you know, something like that, you can start to kind of raise an eyebrow and say, oh, well, Drogo's still the best thing for Targaryens. Maybe that's, that's not great for the game. Um, but that this is just one event. Um, there, you can't make any real sweeping conclusions from this, um, in particular, given you know the explanation there. I think outside of, well, outside of Micah, Bob, and I, John just, hey, he wasn't really played all that much, and he did pick up some losses outside of the three of us. So, uh, any anything else about the meta in particular? Anything that surprised you? Um, Yeah, just looking around, just looking looking at it, I, I really, I didn't see that the interesting thing is outside of the Jon Snow, which I guess you'll call it the quote-unquote meta list, the Jon Snow and Hunters Vanguard, the the list that math just makes work, um, there wasn't a lot of like repeated spammy kind of lists. Like you're not seeing the same archetype list across numerous, numerous players. And I think, I think Bob... Micah and I all ran the same Jon Snow with uh, Ranger Cavalry list. Not overly surprising because we've been practicing it on TTS. So, you know, things like that. Um, the other Jon Snow players were running different variants and different Nightwatch players were running different stuff. So um, outside of that one list, I don't think lists were really overly repeated, were they? Most everything was no, unique. I'd... That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I had the honor of playing that list three times in five games, but hey, everything is unique. Uh, oh, you, luck. It, you, it seems to be every tournament I go to, I play against the same list every round. Um, U.S. Nationals last year, I played Baratheon almost exclusively. Um, yeah, three out of five, I played against the Jon Snow list uh, today or uh, Saturday. So, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I know you played Bob. Hard Who to, was the third? It was Chase, right? Yeah, yeah, that list had, yeah. was a little different, but it, it was, was still, a little bit this, different. But it was still John Hunter. It was so. still it was it was still John. It was still double Cav. Okay. Yeah, it just it just didn't have Corin. But we'll touch on Corin later, and my opinion on him, which might sure. surprise people. Um. Sure. Yeah, it. I I think part of the reason, to be fair, that I ran into the same list over and over, the same faction over and over, because it was ran by good players. 
and I had the misfortune of finding myself at the top table, which means you're going to run into the same medalist over and over. Okay. So, well, before, I mean, it is what it is. Before we move on to this, move on from this, I just want to touch on something. It's kind of difficult for me not to touch on it. Um, and this, this isn't coming from, like, bias as a John player. It, it's really not. But I, I just want to touch base with you on it and kind of put this out there. I find it incredibly, incredibly odd that a lot of the takeaways from Adepticon and the Always Winter GT seem to be focused on gaslighting this community into believing that Jon Snow is the most broken thing in the game, is Mance level of broken, declaring that Jon's going to be the new Mance, and it is honestly one of the craziest things that I've ever seen in this game. You're talking about a faction that's carrying an ELO of about 15 that is five times worse than Free Folk, roughly four times worse than Martell's, and you're talking about John, who isn't even in top 10 commanders. And it's being gaslit. And they, they're trying to whip up this frenzy of making these ludicrous comparisons and saying that Jon Snow is just irreparably broken and is the, the worst thing in the game. And I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm calling it. I'm not buying it. Um, not only is there not enough data to represent that, the data that is there doesn't suggest that. Um, Mance, in the European events, it was three big 100-person events in, in a row, was taking 50 to 60% of the top spots. And in some cases, it was more, I think. I have all of that the notes from back then, but it's really irrelevant. I think Mance was carrying an 80% win rate, and he was like greatly represented, way more than what you're seeing with Night's Watch here. And Free Folk as a whole were carrying a 70% win rate across these massive tournaments across the seas with tons of well-known, really strong players, and Mance was just dunking on them. I think outside of the mirror matches across those three events, I looked at every single game, analyzed every single one, and in those top 10 players across those events, Mance was 97 point something percent win rate outside of mirror matches. And it was not a small number. It was like 31 and, thir 31 and 1 or something against anything outside of mirrors. I mean, let me know when, when, when John ever becomes anywhere close to being that ludicrous. And then we can start talking about how the community can set Night's Watch on fire. But for the time being, I just find it so weird that, that this is the takeaway. My takeaway looking at this is, you know, excluding John, it looks really good to me. I mean, the numbers look pretty nice. And I think for the most part, the players there that were playing would, would say the same. So you, you played John three times. I mean, I'm playing John. So if I'm, if I'm the big bad, let me be the big bad. But you, you played John three times. You beat him twice. Realistically, you should have beaten me. I had, I had hot dice at, at the right moment, very early on, um, with defensive saves in particular. Um, and that, that kept me in the game. Um, they tapered off on some of the attacks and things like that, but it was those defense saves in the very early going, blocking 
half of the Oberon hits, um, you know, Vanguard blocking seven of the eight when the Outriders charged. Those were the game-changing dice that that kind of kept me in the game. If you take some of that away, maybe my trackers die, the Flademen free up, they kill Jon Snow, and, and, and you're absolutely crushing me into round four. But um, you're the one that played a bunch of Night's Watch. How do you feel about How do you feel about it? Oh, he's definitely the new man. Uh, you heard it here first. Um, no, not even close. Um, he's good. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, being a bit sarcastic here, but he is a good commander, and that's a good thing. Every faction needs. I mean, earlier today, I was on an episode with Carlo, and he was talking about balance across the game. Every, just about every faction has that guy, that top commander that is. You know, everybody runs that commander on the competitive level, external balance across the game. Uh, maybe not great for internal balance because you want all your commanders to be good, but, you know, they're not. Jon Snow is that guy for the Night's Watch, and that's a good thing. Every faction should have at least one of that guy. Now, in this case, is that guy broken? Absolutely not. He got buffed. Um, Rally Cry turning into vulnerable. Those vulnerable tokens actually came into effect when you and I played. But that's the whole point of the tokens. Is it broken? No, it's not broken. Um, Corrin. Everyone likes the, well, it's John and Corrin. It's John and Corrin. It's John and Corrin. I hear a lot of people, well, I'll play a game. I'm not playing against Corrin. Uh, I'll play a game. I'm not playing against John. Like, I get it. You know, if you want to play... A non-competitive game, great. Um, is Corn good? Yes. Is he good combined with John and Hunters? Absolutely. Can you counter it? Yes. It's not Mance. Mance, Mance covered every weakness that the faction had, um, and, and then some. He, he gave free action. He did all kinds of stuff. He he took away the morale problem that they had. All John does is make him a little bit more aggressive. That's it. That's, that's what they need. Without John, they're you know they're ten ELO with John. So what are they without him? Um, now the Corin combo. Do you want to get into that now, or do you want to save that for later? On how uh, I dealt with it and blah blah blah. Honestly, I think um, I think we can just stick to to, to the John in general for now because I'm I'm going to ask you you know, about some of your games and uh, how you pulled it off. I, I want you to open with your list for sure. Um, and I want to pass that to you for sure. Yeah. Uh, why don't you take us off, uh, start with your list, and then you don't have to go into great detail of every match and break down everything, but you can highlight some key critical points, general idea of how you played the mission and how how you grabbed the wins the way that you did. Okay. Um, so, with Jon Snow being the big bad, and so, and the reason I bring this up is because the way I build lists. Um, I build lists, I look at several factors. One of the factors is, well, the biggest factor is, how do I play? How does this fit what I do and how I like to play the game? That's number one. Number two is, what's the meta that I'm going to see? Um, I know most of the American players at this point. So it's fairly, I know what they play. You know, we, we all talk to each other. So it's fairly easy to figure out what I'm going to be seeing. So that's the second part. 
Um, so going into that, I'm looking, okay, do I have a chance to win Adepticon? I don't know, probably not. There's a lot of scary, really good players there. Bob's one of them. Brett's one of them. Mike is good, too. What are they running? Oh, they're all running the exact same list, and rightfully so. You know, it's a good Jon Snow list, so what do I need to worry about in this list? I have to beat these three players to win the tournament, so I will build a list to beat these three players, or to attempt to beat these three players, as it turns out. Um, so the way I looked at it is um, running Martels, which means I'm running a defensive army, right? But I'm running into an offensive matchup that drowns you in dice when, although my army is defensive, it does not have high saves. So how do I capitalize on that? Or how do I fix that, I should say? Um, outflank is also a problem. So I need cap. Okay, well, Starfall Knights are an awesome unit. They save on fours. One good old double tap from John, and they might not be there anymore. Okay, so that's not going to work. We'll throw them out. Blademen. Blademen have less offensive potential, but they have a three-up save, and all I want my army to do is not die. So, three-up save. Um, Blademen go in first. Royal Guard, because Royal Guard are awesome. I mean, Shield Wall, they can grind, they always have re-rolls, which is big. Hand out a vulnerable token in a faction that's not very offensive. Um, so, Royal Guard. And then, uh, Kevin Crossbows are a thing. So, how do you answer ranged? in an army that struggles with range that has almost universal four-up saves, weaken tokens. We'll throw a spear captain in there. He will take care of the range problem. You were hitting on threes, rising temps. Weaken token, you're hitting on fours and rerolling your hits. Your range threat is no longer a threat. Um, and then I got to, obviously, Ulleran Spears, because Ulleran Spears. But then it was the last six points I was struggling with, or I should say the last seven points. Um, before, I had a Glory Seeker in the Flayed Men because I was using that Glory Seeker with Rally Cry to feed um, Supply Aid. You know, two wounds back turns into three coming back out. So it was like an endless loop I had created. Well, Glory Seeker didn't do that anymore. So I didn't really want the Glory Seeker in that list. Um, it had previously been Dervishes. Dervishes cannot respond to outflank. Dervishes cannot respond to ranged. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that they can't do. They were a good unit at the time for what for what I was trying to do with them, but they were going to work for the tournament. So I kept playing around skirmishers, this, that, and skirmishers are a great unit. Don't get me wrong, they're a great unit. They need the Spear Lord Captain to really shine. I didn't have the extra point. So I'm thinking, I lost Rally Cry in my list. I need speed, and I need to be able to answer uh, the outflank. So Outriders became the logical choice. I know what that says about Outriders, um, and there's there's some merit to that. Um, but they fit the role that I needed, which meant I had a point left over. My NCU package was Baelish, Alaria, and Oberyn. Alaria and Oberyn, well, that's a whole thing self-explanatory there. But still sitting there on a point. I have nowhere to put attachments other than cav attachments. Nothing really stood out to me. Next problem, Corrin. How do I deal with Corrin? I have nothing in this list that deals with Corrin. So, <laughs> good friend of mine, actually, Kevin Reynolds. Um, he's on Discord a lot. I was bouncing all this off him, 
And he's like, you're forgetting an NCU, man. There's a five-point NCU you're forgetting. Tycho. They got Peter put in Tycho, and here is why. He counters Corrin. And I'll get into how in a little bit. Um, but that was my list. Um, the way I played it was a hybrid of defense and offense. So what I would do is I would kind of slide forward, and I did this all the first three games, so I'm not going to go through those games um, individually. I would slide forward slowly, get to the point where I'm threatening, let them attack me first, debuff with cards, drown them in weakened tokens, and then as they're bashing their head against my wall of four-point saves, or four-up saves, I should say, and a ridiculous amount of healing, then I just push them over. They'd run out of gas, and i just push the army over, more or less. Um, and that's not to disrespect my opponents or anything like that. They're all great people and all good players. It's just how my army was built. Um, with that amount of healing, because you have Supply Aid, Tycho, the cards in the deck that heal, Spiteful Truce, Rally Cry, I've got two Auto Pass Panic cards, you've got negative one to hit now, you're drowning in weakened tokens. You're not killing anything. Um, I lost one unit total through the first three games, and it was in part intentional. Um, I could have prevented it, but I wanted the game to go on so I could get more kill points in case of uh, tiebreakers at the end. So I let them die so I could get more points destroyed the next round. Um, that was it. I lost one unit intentionally in the first three games. Um, but... I'll touch on one of the games. It was against the Mel Casino, and we all know that sometimes the Mel Casino works gloriously and sometimes it fails spectacularly. I would tell everyone out there to not run the Mel Casino into an other list because what happens is is you get unbound, unbent, unbroken on yourself, and now you're failing your panic tests at twice the rate that I am, and I'm just healing them back up with supply aid or whatever else. So don't don't... It's not a good matchup. Um, again, no disrespect to the opponent there. He played well. He just wasn't um, – he didn't expect that matchup, I should say. Uh, but that brings me to Bob. And why don't you tell everyone what Bob's list was since it was also your list? <laughs> it's uh, John Snow and Ranger Hunters, Vanguard, Ranger Trackers, Ghost, Cold Hands, Amon, Donald Noy, Corn. Okay, pretty simple. And so it was Clash of Kings, and I was kind of torn. I had a Roost list as well, and the only reason I'm not going to break that list down is because I didn't play it, so it's, you know, whatever. But in that list, Roost is in Royal Guard. The, with Clash of Kings, I was kind of back and forth. Do I want to do that because the kill potential, my commander can get kill points, I can win the game on my commander killing stuff. Wink, wink. Um, but no, I didn't have that list. Did not have an answer for outflank. So van and, and a lack of healing. Vanguard in the rear, um, no healing. I would have gotten rolled up, especially by a player as good as Bob. So I stuck with the other list, even though his Clash of Kings and my commander was in a five up, seven up unit hitting on fours. Um, it was a back and forth game. So to give to certainly give him credit, 
Um, there were moments there where I was about 98% sure that he had me. Um, there were more moments where I was 98% sure that I had him. Um, but his big play came, I don't remember if it was the start of the third or the fourth that defended. It was mid-game. He was going to be first player. Nothing had really happened at that point. We'd kind of skirmished with each other. He'd done a couple wounds to me. I'd healed him. He'd done a couple, I'd done a couple wounds to him. He'd healed him. And that was it. We were all kind of just kind of probing, trying to figure out which one would make a mistake first. But he had gotten uh, watches ended out on John, and he was lining up heavy on my left, his right. He had Vanguard and Cold Hands on my right, tying up my flayed men. On my left, he had um, everything else. <laughs> so, and nothing in the middle. I had Royal Guard in the middle sitting on the token, just kind of watching everything happen around him. And uh, he was scoring the token with the Vanguard, and he had blocked me from contesting it with cold hands. I had not drawn Battle Endurance or Rising Temps at this point in the game. I didn't draw either one of those, I don't think, until round five. Maybe I drew Rising Temps before that. But I didn't get Battle Endurance until the last round, which didn't help me much. But... On my left, I had Outriders screening Oler, and he has three units staring them down. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, start of next round, he goes first. If he kills Outriders, he then kills Oler without much of a problem. He he blows me away. He tables me, or he just dog walks me, and it's bad. So this is the round that he's going to pop Corrin. So instead of engaging him and trying to hold him back with the Outriders. I actually pulled the Outriders as far back as I could, but I made sure that I was within maneuver and shoot range, but not engaged. I didn't want to be engaged because I didn't want watches ended going off and him double tapping because then I'm dead. So I pulled back so that he would have to use the maneuver um, off that card in order to shoot me off of killing Corrin. <coughs> It's still a good play. I'm saving on fives with a six-up morale. He's going to get that. Then he's going to get to take the swords, or he's going to get to activate, or he's going to get to do all of that, you know, without me really being able to respond. But I had a plan, and this is how it all worked. So I back off so he can't do that, so he can only get the one attack in before the start of his actual activation that round. So what he does is he goes, I pop corn. He didn't say I have a start of turn or anything like that, but it's okay. He didn't really have to. He just says, well, I'm popping corn. I said, well, okay, I'm popping Tycho. And he kind of stops and he looks at me and he goes, oh, I see what you're doing. So what I was doing was the way this interaction works is he's active player. Corrin's effect goes off first. He dies, he freezes one of my units, and then triggered off of that watches ended goes off before Tycho. So since he was only going to get a shot off, he gets his shot off. And then since I had declared Tycho, then Tycho goes off. I heal back all the wounds that he had done. So he has burned Corrin. He has burned watches ended and he has done maybe one wound. And all it cost me was Tycho. Now it's his turn, but he cannot kill that unit with that activation. So he does some more wounds to it. Like, okay, well, 
now it's there. He takes the sword, so I can't take the swords. He does some more wounds. So it's like, okay, well now I will simply take the, uh, start a turn. I will supply aid. I will take the bags, heal back up. You are burning resources, and I'm really not. I'm still at full full health, <laughs> and your two turns into your your big uh, meta turn. Now this is not to say anything bad about his play. It was the right play at the time. Um, he had to do something. One of us had to do something. And it wasn't going to be me because I'm running um, a defensive army. So he made his play, um, and I was able to get away with it. Did cost him the game in some ways, and in some ways it didn't. Um, the reason it ended up costing him the game was because he had to overextend himself in order to actually finish off that Outrider unit. And he did, but it took him around and a half, and he was then out of position which allowed me to catch um, Ghost. And you, I think you saw this, Brett. Allowed me to catch yep. Ghost with Uller, kill Ghost, score the two VPs, win by one VP. Yep. So that is why Tycho was in that list for that one reason, and that was to counter Corrin. Now, it is not, I'm not saying it's the perfect counter because it's not. I'm not saying it should be in every list. I'm not saying there aren't other ways to counter it. That's how I countered it. Um, had he been able to be engaged at the start of that round, instead of me re having retreated the round before, perhaps he kills them before Tycho even goes off because he gets the double attack. So there's problems with it. But that is one way to play around Corrin, and it is fairly decent. It, I mean, it worked against Bob. So <clears throat> that's the summary of that game. Um, and then uh, the next game's our game. So I'll let you break that one down to start with. We'll, we'll both break it down. Um, so from my end, I, I don't think I'll go into as much detail as you did. I'll, I'll kind of just give just some key highlights. I drew a Baratheon player. It's actually a guy local to Indy. Um, Inevitable Carnage. Inevitable Carnage. Matt Beattie. Um, he deployed his Axel list. Um, got Axel and Blaggard, Lightbringers with Davos, Lightbringers. Uh, he's got Bastards Girls, Wardens, and then his NCUs are Melisandre, and I believe it's Peter Baelish. I believe. It's a four-point NCU, and I'm pretty sure it's Peter. <clears throat> Anyways, I go into this list, or I go into this game. We're playing Dark Wings, Dark Words. Uh, we shuffle up the deck, throw down the objective, and it is... Claiming a zone on the tactics board before your opponent. And so we're both kind of looking at it. And then the reserve missions weren't anything helpful either. It was like sword and horse, sword and letter. So I was like, oh, God, this is going to be this is going to be interesting. So we we start doing I flip my I start flipping NCUs because I'm thinking the worst thing that you can do against Baratheons is get into a position where you're down in points and you have to kill something because you might not be able to kill anything. Uh, it was true before times 10. It's still true now. Um, his, his list might be better because he didn't squeeze champions of the seat. He just brought a lot of stank. <laughs> and so um, I'm trying to dance around staying out of range of the Lightbringers. Um, and it's like, what am I going to kill? What am I going to kill? I've got to take out one Lightbringer at least. Um, I got to try to kill these wardens. So I snake my 
cavalry units around to go after the uh, wardens. I send the the vanguard. I send Ghost over to one objective, and then he just sticks the far Lightbringers on his objective, and then his army, he just lines up in a diagonal formation. So really all I can get to is the front. And I was like, this is going to be a long game. This is going to be tough. And uh, to break it down, my vanguard flanked wardens, uh, got their face beat in by wardens. Uh, they When they flanked them, they didn't even take a rank off. And then I think I took one or two from counter-strikes on the charge because I just rolled a disorderly charge and had three or four misses. Um, the warden swung back. Um, it was consistent across this event, including in our game. I could not pass panic. Could not pass panic. Um, so at one point, I've charged his wardens and then he sticked me for a wound, and I crit failed to panic. My my vanguard are down a rank fighting wardens, and I'm like, okay, time to completely redirect this plan. Uh, we're going to start playing the mission and try to squeeze out of this with a late win. Um, I sent John in maybe in round three, hit a unit of Lightbringers, bounced back. He played Final Strike. I took, I think, six wounds seven wounds from final strike. And then I stayed engaged with them. Actually, I didn't, I didn't pull back and retreat. I for the watch charged in and stayed engaged because the other light bringers were engaged with, um, cold hands and he wasn't able to see me with the bastards girls. So I was like, I'm safe here. And he measures the light bringers, the bastards girls who are butted up to the light bringers. And I was like, well, I mean, you're going to have to roll the trace five inches. So you're going to have to roll like a five or a six to make this retreat. He's like, whatever, I'm doing it. Retreats, <laughs> retreats, makes it, rolls a six. Now I'm not engaged with the Lightbringers. I'm staring at Bastards Girls with John. It was actually like a perfect, I mean, it was a really risky play that he did taking that retreat. Worked out perfectly because he had his other final strike in hand. I'm looking at Bastards Girls with John, who's critically wounded from one final strike. And it's like, I have to deal with the Bastards Girls. <laughs> like, I can't sit here and take a charging volley. I'll die. So I charged him, popped the vulnerable token. This was a point where I made a mistake, a playing mistake. I didn't check the rule book to see if you can re-roll hits when you charge. For some reason, it must be an old version of the rule book, or I'm just completely batshit crazy. But I didn't think on the charge you could re-roll any dice. I thought it was only misses. And so I charge him with John, and John's, throwing, John's got corn, so he's throwing eight dice. I hit with like seven and I was like, Oh, I really want to reroll some of these hits because I know you have final strike. And it was like, yeah, I don't think I can. And so I took the hits. I did not spin the vulnerable. He failed a bunch of saves, gave me another final strike. And I died. I died to a double final strike. John died. And so now I'm sitting here with Ranger trackers, Ranger Vanguard that are critically wounded ghost and cold hands ghost is sitting over scoring points on an objective basically the long story short i got the crap beat out of me and he did he charged my trackers that were sitting on a token with axel he did eight wounds on that charge i retreated scored the objective took amon and healed and then he melbom crown zapped them they took another five eight from that <laughs> so it was they ended with like one wound and I looked around and I was like, the only thing I can do is popcorn, freeze your blackguard, 
and try to win the game this round. And it was, I think we were going into round six because we basically avoided engagement most of the game. And I pulled off a six to three, but it was so close. It was so close. Like one more wound on the trackers and I can't win the game. Uh, In particular, if the blackguard kill the trackers and take over the objective, there's no way I'm winning. It was super rough. Like that double final strike was so bad for me. Um, and then moving on, I played a Night's Watch Mirror. He did not have Corrin. I had Corrin. Um, he brought Benjen and Builder Crossbows. I knew the game to play around lying in wait. Um, and I just avoided the crossbow shots as much as I could. And then, of course, Corrin completely shuts them down. I played Take the Black, took Benjen. Now I've got John Ranger Hunters that are movement eight. And they can pivot before they march. Uh, that was the one and only game where I tabled. Once John got Benjen, I had already killed his Lord Snow. Um, he just basically conceded, and we we knew that John being able to pivot march, I was going to be able to get to the trackers on the other side and wipe them as well. So that was the one table wipe. Really great guy. We talked about it afterwards. He was running Othel NCU. I explained to him that Othel NCU is just another one of these meta boogeymen that people hate him so much and they, they give him so much criticism. I think he's crap. Um, I think he's crap because he's only halfway decent in round one and two or at the end of the round where you absolutely have to have an attack in which case he's good, but in the mirror match running awful, all you're doing is giving me an opportunity to play my cards. So I left him a zone open to use Othel because I wanted him to shoot me. I got fire that burns out of the hand on the panic test. I played Watcher on the wall. If I would have had Shield of the Realms of Men in hand, I would have gotten that out. And I'm cycling through my deck as you're playing cards. And I'm not wasting them. I'm not discarding them. I'm playing them. That's what Othel does in the mirror match. So for anybody listening, I do not suggest Othel as your tech into the mirror match. Um, in particular, round one and two, you're just getting cards out of their hands, and they're going to cycle through their deck faster, faster than you can. And uh, you might have to throw out a Watcher on the wall or something. It could be huge. Um, so that was that. We discussed that at the end. Really, really great guy. Awesome opponent. Um, and I, I liked his Benjen list, just not, not into the mirror here. Um, and then next I drew... See, Lannister was the... Oh, it was Sean. Sean and Freefolk. We drew, we, we draw Game of Thrones, and I genuinely thought I would lose just based on the list. I knew he would run the Giants, as I mentioned earlier at the start of the podcast. He's running four Giants and two NCUs. If he takes the center with 1-1, he takes the outside objectives with a Giant, and Mag is just playing defense. Shadowcat and Varamir are just pass tokens. What am I going to do? Uh, there's always going to be a Craster heal that he can do. On Giants, it just erases most of the damage that I can do. All he has to do is not die, and he can win the game. Um, unfortunately for him, fortunately for me, I guess however you look at it, he was a little aggressive with the Shadow Cat. He put Varamir on an objective in the back, and he wanted to play the Giants aggressively. Um, I was able to kill the Shadow Cat, get a nice take the black off of that, and then my trackers freed up. They were able to kill Varamir. I used Donald Noy tokens on both ranged attacks to make sure that the units died. Donald Noy is great on the offense as well, if the situation calls for it. You're playing against Giants. What's he going to do defensively? Might as well use them for the attacks. That ended up being, that's what won the game. If I had to fight him in a fair fight, he demonstrated later when he picked up his second wind 
that it wasn't going to happen. If I hadn't been able to steal those objectives for him, I would have been crushed. Um, Pearl Boulder, which is a card that people hate. Pearl Boulder did 13 wounds to John. Uh, he played it twice. He hit both times. Uh, D3 plus three both times, and I failed one of the panics. Uh, not good. <laughs> it's a very, it's a strong card. I know that, that it's uh, a once, you know, you're, you've got one dice, and it's a 66% chance to succeed, and dice be dice, but it's D3 plus ranks wounds, just straight wounds. It's a good card. And Sean has played Mag for a long time. He knows how to get a ton of value out of Trample. He's not using Trample to do the damage. He uses Trample to do the march, and then he gets a giant in your face. It just, 10-inch march. There you go. And it's bad. <laughs> I think the Mag deck is really good. It played really well for him. He knows how to use the deck. It was really scary for me. Really, really nice game with Sean. Sean and I always have have well we've played twice at Adepticon. It's been great both times. He ran Mag both times. So, um super cool. Sean, super nice guy. Next match was Tang's Lannisters. And it was the unique list of the event for me. It was the it was the one in the event that was like, This is something. So he ran Red Cloaks, Red Cloaks with Champion of Faith, Red Cloaks with Kevin, Flademan, um Joffrey, NCU, Cersei, Pycelle. And I've always said with Night's Watch, the way to beat Night's Watch is volume of attacks slash a bunch of hits or spike panic damage. When you're running three red cloaks, it counts as spike panic damage. And even though they're not an attack, you can focus fire with those red cloaks and just focus a unit down with panic tests. And that's exactly what he did. Um, Tang did great. If he had played, it was Clash of Kings, if he had played the mission where uh, Kevin gains Vicious when he charged Jon Snow, I don't think i come out of it alive because I survived with three or four wounds, retreated back, and then I was able to heal later in the round. Very lucky that he didn't have an intrigue. But on that panic test, if he would have had Vicious, I would have failed, and Joffrey was on me. I would have died. So um, that's his big regret in that game is that he didn't take Vicious at that time. Um, other than that, I mean, he just shredded me with panic. My Vanguard went and charged the Kevin crossbows just to tie, or the Kevin red cloaks, excuse me, just to tie them up so that they couldn't finish John off. And, um, I took, I think I took six from a Lannister supremacy and then Kevin turned around and poked them, did one wound. The Vanguard had Joffrey on them at that time. Uh, and he played hear me roar popped him between Lannister supremacy and one attack. Um, then he starts throwing more panics. Uh, and when he surges forth, he focused the trackers down with panic damage. Um, Cold Hands was fighting Flayed Men for most of the game. He did end up dying. Um, the, I was outkilled. It was 20 to 19 points destroyed. Um, I can't remember what he did to wipe Ghost. Maybe his Red Cloaks killed Ghost because I think I had to send Ghost to tie up the other Red Cloaks. I mean, I was kind of in, a, in desperate spots there, kind of like in our game. It was a really tight game. Um, I didn't end up tabling him, but I was able to get rid of Kevin and then start focusing some of the other Red Cloaks down. And then I just was able to basically take the Flayed Men out of the game and score missions to win the rest of the way. Um, and the other key thing is that um, I was using, I learned about the attack dice, 
So I was using my charge rerolls to reroll my hits so that I had fewer hits. And that was because I made sure that John killed units. Um, crippled John running around with like five dudes left. But I made sure that my, my solos and my ranger trackers were not killing the units. I made sure John killed. And I think John killed the two red cloaks. Ghost killed Kevin. And then I think John killed the two red cloaks, which was substantial because I got the bonus points for killing them with John. So that's, that was a thing. I thought it was a pretty smart move at the time to make sure that I could get the bonus points for John. And it ended up pushing me into a crushing because of those bonus points. That then led me to play you, which the game is on stream. As I said from the beginning, um, you know, with some, some less fortunate defense dice to start the game, starting with that set for charge hit on John, it was devastating. Um, I think you did seven wounds from there. And from that point, from that point on, John, John was playing peekaboo. Like John wasn't able to charge into the Flademen because of Ogren. So I had to debate vulnerable token and rerolls, or am I just shooting? Am I just shooting and triggering these panic tests? I, I made a mistake early with cold hands. It was a, a positional error. I really hate that I did that. I put cold hands right in the way. And as a result, I wasn't going to be able to get a good lane to charge my Vanguard in. I wanted my Vanguard in the flank of the flayed men pinning them in place. I wanted the trackers and John shooting in. I made that mistake. Couldn't get the Vanguard in. I had to charge you with my trackers, which I hate, but I had to do it. I could not give your flayed men a charge on John. He was going to die. There's no way. With unbowed, unbent on him, he was dead. There's no doubt in my mind he would pop from that. I was out of fire that burns. I didn't draw shield until I think round five. I mean, I'm, and, and I spent the Donald Noy tokens and I was sitting here thinking about it. Like, can I live through this charge with six? I think I had six wounds. Donald Noy is going to take me up to a four plus. If Craig gets one critical blow, I'm screwed. Uh, and there, I was like, there's no way I'm sending the trackers in, sending the trackers in and hold on for dear life. <laughs> and, and it was bad, dude. It was so bad. And yeah, I, I, you and I had talked going into it and, and, and I stand by it. You and I had talked about Doran. And I told you from the beginning with Martell's, Doran NCU is a trap. Doran NCU is not, he is not a good NCU. Like, it's not that he's no. a bad, in, he's not, it's not that he's a bad NCU, but he's just not, he is not better than Ilaria. He is not better than Oberon. He is probably not better than Peter Baelish. And in your case with Tycho, he's not better than Tycho. So what's the point in running, what's the point in running Doran? I will maintain that in our match, even with me having no Peter Baelish, if you don't have Oberyn, there's no way that you live through that, that flurry. Even with Tycho, and say you replace Oberyn with Doran, I would be so happy because I am just going to... It changes everything that I do because I was so afraid to charge John in. And I, what I needed to be doing was bouncing John out over to the flank, charge again, and then bounce to the rear... And then the flayed men are toast. But I can't because I can't take the Oberon hits. <laughs> Oberon is crazy good. Um, your list is so strong. Um, I had thought for a little bit, you know, why aren't Martell players playing Tycho, especially with, uh, with, especially with Uller? But I, it, that was just amusing. I can't take any credit 
for what you came up with. I the only thing you and I talked about, I think we discussed some roost lists and that yep. we really liked. I pushed the skirmishers onto you. I said it was my favorite list. I think I did mention like Tycho or Varus as a nice play as a Night's Watch counter, but I that's not what I pushed onto you. You came up with this uh, for yourself, and you should be really proud of your Martell list. It is the best Martell list I've ever faced. Um, it's the best that I've faced as, as a Night's Watch player. Um, I'm not sure what your list two was. Um, I don't know if, if uh, Uller, you said Uller was for um, Kevin Crossbows as well, but nonetheless, yep. your list for what Night's Watch wants to do is about as perfect as it can be. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Uh, funny enough, though, if I had had Doran somewhere in there replacing somebody, I only needed one more victory point to win. <laughs> kind of. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the difference <laughs> is, I think the difference is when you play Doran as a Night's Watch player. If I don't have Baelish, yeah. I just I just play for the table. And at that point, without without Oberon in the list, because I knew Oberon was going to be a problem. Um, if you're running Doran and you're, you're focused on getting the Doran zones, you're probably not as focused on like the horse and the swords. And since I, uh, my only fear of retribution is set for charge, and I know you only have two of them, I am just going to absolutely try to hammer you with, with the John charges, which is the big deal because now it makes you vulnerable. Um, with Sword in the Darkness, Boldness and Courage, and um, Corrin, I don't even really have to care that much about Dune Tactics. I'll still roll seven dice. Um, I just think my experience, I, I practiced some games with Stefan, and he took Doran in one of the matches, and I didn't even care. I just, John just went nuts, charging, shooting, charging again, just charge, charge, charge every time to put the vulnerable tokens out, and the, the, the army runs out of resources um, without Tycho. Um, it would be interesting to play our game with Doran, because you are right. Uh, when it when it came down to the end, you know, you could have potentially played differently as well. You could have gone for two outside objectives and just relied on Dorn to get you there. I'm not. I don't know how we would have to play it to see how it worked. The thing is, the, the this version of the John list is very, very, very fast. Whereas before, um, you've got the Ranger Hunters with Watch Captain, but if that unit gets killed, which did happen a lot you really lose some of that mobility. Whereas when you've got the trackers, ghost, cold hands, and the Vanguard, you've really got units that can go cause issues. They can, they can get across the battlefield and cause issues. Oh, absolutely. I would say my advice for any Martell player out there, uh, number one rule, if you're going to a tournament, leave Doran on the shelf. Just, just leave him on the shelf. He has nothing but bad news for you. Um, if you're playing few games for fun, or you're playing at a local store or whatever, bring Doran. He's great. But if you want to win tournament games, he needs to stay on your shelf. But back to our game. Um, (laughs) I will say, and I've won and lost a lot of ridiculously close games over the last couple years. Um, (laughs) Frustratingly enough, I was eliminated from Nationals on a failed four-up panic test and a tie to points on the table, which is more or less, as we, as we discussed in private, kind of what ended up being the, the deciding factor here. But it was probably one of the best games I've played um, 
as far as how close it was, how competitive it was. I do want to apologize a little bit to everyone who watched the stream because neither of us were very um, – we didn't help the people watching the stream. You know, we didn't say what our dice rules were. We didn't really say what our cards were. We were just throwing cards at each other and kind of – and we were both – we weren't declaring our triggers well. We were both very fried, and I'm sure that came across on stream, so I want to apologize for that. It was a very, very long day for us yeah so we were just trying I, to get through it and survive absolutely and it's and not just that the worst thing about it was me almost well i i mean i tried to i'm glad that that you caught it um when i tried when i resolved the watches ended on ghost when ghost died i took the shot with john um and then when corn died i i for some reason i did not think i had resolved it um, I explained it in the comments. The reason that that happened is because I was sitting there debating um, if I wanted to take a maneuver with John um, with the watches ended, which probably in hindsight was the play that I really needed to do. Um, because if I take the maneuver with John's watches ended, I can, I can get over into your flank. Um, no, because you disengaged from ghost and you had a surge forth. Yeah, I was fried. So <laughs> I, yeah. I was debating the maneuver then realized that you still got surge four, so I wouldn't end up in your flank. Then I was debating if it's worth it to have the ranger trackers in your rear, or if I just take the shot and try to drop a rank off. I opted to take the shot, get you to spend the weakened token if possible, and then at the start of the round, I was planning to freeze Corrin and then charge into you. For some reason, I was thinking that I would pop both watches ended and then get a John charge, and it was just a huge mistake. And I'm glad you caught it, because if you had let me resolve it and, and someone came out with it later, I would have uh, forfeited the title. Um, that's just too big of a deal. That's too big of a take back because not only was it a mistake on my part, but I actually told you that I didn't resolve it. And I don't know how I came up with that. So there's, there's no way I could have let that go. I would have had to, I would have had to forfeit and that's what it would have been. And, oh, and it was well, a big men mental fart, big mental fart. So I'm glad we got that squared away. There was another moment I went back and looked on the, the video when the trackers attacked, when the trackers attacked your men, and I forgot to do the Oberon hits. I rolled my attack dice first, and then you we rolled my hits from Oberon, and the trackers ended up losing a rank, and I rolled the six attack dice, and we resolved it as the attack, attack, six attack dice, and it should have been probably two hits less. Ah. We had, I mean, we're fried, so I'm not going to be like, well, you know, you, you cost me the game there or anything like that. Like, that's just dumb. Like, we were both fried. Um, I Open don't in tournament. any way blame you the, for the... Open the tournament back up and give him a trophy. <laughs> no, I, 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 I feel terrible. Um, I always so. preach how important it is for me to, to not have an asterisk in one of these events, and I feel like... <sighs> Yeah, there's there's a little bit there's of one, and I really hit. I think there is just a little bit. I mean, I think the game plays out probably similarly, and it's really hard to say. Like, well, under these conditions, do you still do the same thing? Under these situations, do you still do the same thing? Um, you know, kind of like when you and I talked about different things that we could have done, and it's like, well, I would have done this. And then when you mentioned, you know, had the Royal Guard not failed that five. 
And it's like, well, I would have brought the trackers over then and, and tried to table you. And it's like, well, I could have done this. You never really can know. Um, I, of course, I wish that we'd played a smooth, clean, tight game, but I was not only was I fried, but, but I was very sloppy. My table keeping was very sloppy. Um, I was pouring sweat, um, always anxious about playing you, super, super anxious about playing on stream. Um, my anxiety medicine had worn off. I was super, super nervous about the whole thing. Um, you know, all of it, all of it. So. Right. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was tough. I, I was feeling the same way you were. I was missing triggers. Like, I think there were two rounds when I didn't even play Sobrin. Like, I played him, and then I, like, just didn't put his card out. And then later, I'm yeah. like, ah, shit. Yeah, and then we, we resolved like, it, which I'm, I'm always going to give you the yeah. benefit of doubt on that. It's very obvious where Oberyn would be. It's very obvious, so understand. So moments that stood out to me in the game, um, as fried as we were, so taking all the bad bookkeeping and everything else out, the moments that impacted the game that I felt like, and I'm not going to look at plays that were made um, in, in this um, this part of it, <laughs> because we both made good plays and bad plays, and, you know. The things to me that, like, I'm good, I'm good, all of a sudden, well, I'm not good. Um, there was, like, a stretch of, like, three attacks in a row. So, all game, you were weakened. You had maybe, yeah. like, two attacks or three attacks all game in which you weren't weakened. There was mm-hmm. a stretch where you'd roll with no re-rolls and be like, yeah, nine hits. Like, all right, weakened. You'd be like, yeah, eight hits. I'm like, what? What is happening? <laughs> you know? And then I'd turn around and be like, oh, well, I only failed one save, so take that, you. You're like, yeah, but you're vulnerable. I'm like, okay, well, I'm saving on three ups. I don't care. And I failed them all. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's the point of the tokens. Like, that's what they're supposed to do. And it's dice. So I'm not going to say, I am kind of going to say it, but I'm not really going to say that I lost because of dice. Because there were times when your dice were, like, ice cold, too. So, like, there were, you know, it was give and take. Um, the reason I bring that up is because I knew you were going to – I tried to bait you into popping Corrin on the Flademan. I put Battle Endurance on the Flademan to force you to do that. Mm-hmm. The problem was is that I failed – like that happened the attack before or like at the end of the round before, something like that. Like I'm probably a little off on my timing because, again, we were fried and I haven't gone back to watch it again. But – like, I'm good, I'll weather this attack, he will pop Corrin at the start of next round, and I will pop Tycho, and I will laugh at him. And what happened was that then you came in at the end of that round, I was vulnerable, I passed almost all my saves, you pop vulnerable, I failed almost all of them, then I failed a panic test, I think, and I'm like, okay, I just took like seven wounds. Like, I don't want to do this, but if I don't do this, Tycho dies, and there's, or he dies, there's nothing I can do about it. I had to pop Tycho around early. Um, so I didn't actually get to pop him on your Corrin hit because I had to pop him before that just again to survive the Corrin hit. Yeah, I think I think it was. So that it, was it, it is definitely it was definitely worth mentioning that on that John shot you did fail to panic and dropped three wounds. Yep. Which was big, and I think that was the one that was the one panic that the flayed men failed, and it was like a very bad timing for that fail. <laughs> like. Dropped you down to three yeah, wounds, and and I was like, I think I can get them. I think I can get them because of this. I mean, all that aside, you know, me mentioning the fails and your your hits and all that, all that aside, they still took 
like a round, a round and a half to kill. I mean, they did not go quietly into the night. Oh, my God, those Flayed Men were so hard to kill. They were so hard to kill. Um, I saw visions of Gen Con 2022 um, of me trying to, <laughs> trying to kill those champions of the stag. And I was, I, I started, I, I didn't get tilted. Like, I didn't get angry and, like... No, you didn't, frust- not I at didn't all. Show, you- I didn't show frustration. But I think the point where my body temperature went from probably 99 degrees to about 101 was when I realized, I was when I just saw it. I was like, I'm not going to kill these slave men. I'm going to have, I'm going to have spent corn. I'm going to not kill these slave men. And it's going to be, it's going to be too late. I'm going to lose on the objective because I'm not going to be able to get to his royal guard and contest this token. Maybe I can't even get to the Outriders. Like, the point, if the Flademen don't die, maybe you just retreat the Outriders away and play keep away. Yeah, I would have. You know? Yeah. I would have, absolutely. Yeah, uh, that's what I was afraid you were going to do. And even the the Outriders coming coming over and charging the Vanguard got me in a sticky mess because my whole point was to get the Vanguard in, and I just made that mistake with cold hands. And it's like, oh, my God, these Vanguard aren't even supposed to be here. (laughs) They're not even supposed to be here. But Chris called it out on the stream. He was like, Brett's debating a five-inch charge with a re-roll. The reason I wanted that five-inch charge with a re-roll, like I really thought about doing it, was to move them so that your outriders didn't have someone to charge and start healing. It's like, I've got to get every <laughs> single unit over to this side, away from his outriders, and I've got to get a unit besides my trackers engaged with these slade men. I almost did the five-plus with a re-roll. would have been interesting to see how it went. Yeah, it could have cost you the game, too. It could have. It would have either blown sitting there. Yep. It either <laughs> blows it open and allows you, or I think if I nail it at that point and you've mm-hmm. got Vanguard engaged with your flayed men with the panic and weakened, I think it it's a five plus with a reroll that, that completely seals the game for one of the two of us. I think if I land it, I think you're screwed. If I fail it, I'm screwed because the Royal Guard will flank me. And I'm of Donald Noy tokens at that point. Yeah. And I never drew another. <laughs> I didn't draw into Dune Tactics until the end of the game. True. Um, you know, like, I had bad card draw against both you and Bob, but, I mean, that's not the reason I lost either. Um, I lost because I was playing Brett, and he's a damn good player, and everything has to go right to beat him. Period. I didn't lose because of Corrin. didn't lose because of John. I, you know, I point to these panic tests, like, yeah, I mean, it was a four up or five up, whatever it was. I pass it. I've got. I probably win. But you put yourself in position to make a comeback to make that even a thing. So I lost because you're that good. Um, another moment that stood out to me was that damn moose tanked a shot from um, uh, the royal guard. Yep. Um, had they had he died there instead of a round later, then I had. The Royal Guard, there's nothing between them and the Vanguard who were still engaged with the Flademen. Mm-hmm. And and I would have had the flank. Yep. It was so, uh I mean It was it was the thing I was thinking about. I was I was kind of grateful that the Royal Guard didn't get involved. Because I did spend a little bit of time messing around with Martels. I did play them a little bit when they first came out, and I know how good Royal Guard are. I mean, they were the first unit that I painted. As soon as they were previewed, I was like, uh, is this unit too good? I, I don't know. Too good? Maybe not. But is this a unit that needs to be probably in just about every Martell list? Yeah, they're so good. Um, Marshall oh, Training 
Martial Training plus Shield Wall with that with that Martell deck is so good. Um, I really like the Skirmishers, but you've you've got me sitting and thinking, and I really hate plagiarizing someone's list, so I can't copy your list identically. I just can't. Um, a change I might do just simply so that it's not your list. Now, circle back to where I said it's the best Martell list I faced. I stand by that. But just to do like a different take on a similar list, I would maybe put uh, the Glory Seeker in the Flayedman, dropping the Spear Captain, who I know was clutch for you. And then I would maybe do Varus over Tycho and see, see how it goes. But it's, I'm taking the bones of your list. Um, it's the Outriders for me. The Outriders are, I mean, I was super, super honed in on running the Skirmishers. But now you've really got me reconsidering the Outriders. And I bought them when they came out because I was like, ooh, I can run double Rally Cry. That's going to be awesome. Because um, at the time, the Glory Seeker played men Rally Cry, which was a thing that I did with my Martells. And I was like, double Rally Cry, this is going to be such a frustrating list for people to deal with. <laughs> because now my played men can heal Uller, and my Outriders can heal the played men, or the played men can heal the Outriders, and the Outriders, whatever, however you want to do it, double I mean, we've seen double rally cry work to great effectiveness. Um, it's, it is, it's interesting. To piggyback off, to piggyback off that with the Outriders, um, some people are going to say I'm absolutely nuts for this, but I put battle endurance on them every chance I got. Um, I didn't draw into it fast enough to do it in our mm-hmm. game, mm-hmm. but the reason I did is because my, the rest of my army is engaged. I'm tanking hits. And here comes my little six-point calf hitting on fours around the edge. Um, you know, they're going over bogs, whatever, no rerolls. That's not good. Well, Battle Endurance Nelly have rerolls. Next round, you have a cavalry unit in your rear with seven dice, crit blow, sundering, movement six. And you just go right yep. down the line. Yep. It's I don't insane think, how good they get. I don't think you're crazy at all. And... It was actually not even something that I considered when I was thinking of putting them in the in the Uller list because I would always put Battle Endurance on the Royal Guard and the Flayed Men. Um, Flayed Men for obvious reasons, and then the Royal Guard because I, I already think they're offensive, and then when you really turn them up to 10. But no, I totally, 100% agree with you um, as far as putting it on those Outriders because it's not just that. Battle Endurance on them with Set for Charge in the deck, you're, you're seeing... You're seeing the Outriders and you're thinking, well, this is the soft spot. This is the unit that I'm going to go kill. I'm going to charge this unit. And suddenly, in round three, they've got rerolls, crits. They don't have to wait yeah. until round five to get the crits. They've already got them. And so you can do a set for charge, and it's not unreasonable to get six, seven hits off of that set for charge on them. And you'll also heal. And it's like, okay, I see you, Craig. I see you. All right. It was you're in my brain, but you're component. showing me that it works. <laughs> Another key component to that's Obrin. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you're taking I, four hits plus the separate charge. The, uh, with, with or all if the you talk survive about, their charge. With, with all the talk about Baelish and how good he is and how great Doran is, and you got to have Doran, like, oh, you are just disrespecting the crap out of Obrin. Oberyn and Ilaria, I think, are their best NCUs, and I don't even think it's close. I would not run. I would not run Martels without those two. Oberyn is so damn good. 
Um, and you know, you're going to have people say, well, you just avoid this unit or you just, you just shoot the unit that has Oberon on it. It's not, it's not always that cut and dry. Um, as you can see from our game, because Oberon moves around at some point against a list like that, you you don't, the, the, the shooting resources, unless you're running like the Kevin double crossbows, you don't have that much shooting resource to just deal with a unit. At some point you have to charge or attack. And Oberon makes that a scary prospect. On a charge where you've got the Oberon hits plus set for charge, if you're talking Flademan, depending on the round, Flademan can kill you with set for charge anyway. Just if they've got the battle endurance working and it's round five, they can just kill you by you charging them by themselves. Throw Oberon into the mix. Now you're taking four hits after you take a set for charge because you already charged. It's too late, homie. You've got to make that attack. You know, like a full-on attack from Flademan plus the Oberon hits, you might just die. Um, super scary with the Flademan, but even with the Outriders where you're thinking this is the soft unit. Like, as we just mentioned, starting in round three, that's a deadly prospect. If you've got Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken on you, that's not good. <laughs> that is not good. And then, keeping in mind, if they then hit you with a Dune Tactics, because these cards can stack, so if they then hit you with a Dune Tactics after you're set for charge and over and hits and they haven't activated, now you're panicked and vulnerable when they attack you back for the same thing. Yeah, you're pretty screwed. You're pretty screwed. Like, not going to lie. You, you, most things, unless you're, like, really high defense, like if you're a 4-plus, 6-plus, or worse, or 5-plus, five 5-plus five even, you're probably dead if you, de if you deal with that. You get a set for charge, you get the over and hits, you get panicked and vulnerable, then they attack you with another battle endurance, you're screwed. You are. And in the case of the Outriders, like, even if you've got John Swift Strike, it's like, oh, I'll bounce out of here. Yeah, cool. Um, no matter what you roll on your retreat, I'm auto in. So what you doing, homie? What you doing? <laughs> and it, <laughs> What's the play? What's it, the play? It gets worse, too. You add Rising Temps in and, and the way I use Weaken Tokens. Um, so, Ilaria, mm. everyone knows how good she is. Round one, a favorite tactic of mine. It doesn't matter if I'm going first or second. My... Um, if, if I'm going second, I don't have Peter in the list. So if I'm going second, or if I'm going first, excuse me, I'm obviously taking the envelope. I need to get through my deck. My very next move, it doesn't matter what you do, I am taking the swords with uh, my, um, with, uh, excuse me, Oberyn. Taking the swords with Oberyn. Because what you have to do then, if you have three infused, you know, you have to flip to leave one open, blah, 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 which means no matter what, I can wait on Alaria. She goes last. My last move, Alaria to wherever. I'm throwing out two weakened tokens. It's always weakened um, because, again, it's a defensive army. Um, now, if you're talking double Kevin crossbows, oh, well, you can ignore Oberyn because you can do that. Okay, well, you're weakened. I know you have a lot of attacks, but I have a lot of weakened tokens. <laughs> okay, you're weakened. Um, oh, look, it's round three. Not only are you weakened, you're hitting at negative one. So you're weakened, you're hitting on fours. Uh, your attacks, they, I, I chuckle at them, I do. I take one or two wounds, I mean, whatever. You're screwed. So that's another key component. A lot of people, and maybe I'm wrong, but I've seen a lot of people, in my opinion, use Alaria to, I'm going to throw out Panic and Vulnerable. You know, and I do that too, but I only do that when every possible unit has a weakened token on it. Every time. 
Yeah. So I mean, Mike, my, that's, that's more advice from me. Weekend. My, everywhere. Michael Schinnell, the game developer himself, has said from the beginning of the game that weekend tokens were the best token. Um, going into 2021 version, he was like super skeptical about weekend tokens because of the changes to like a lot of things are hitting on four plus reduced attack profiles. He was skeptical. And I think he said it in one of the designer podcasts. He was like, uh, you know, basically he thought weekend tokens were going to be OP. Like weekend tokens were already the best token. They've gotten yep. better as this update emerges. And he was from the very beginning, he was very, very hard on if you can get access to weekend tokens that's a premium thing. That's a premium thing because they're so good this time around. And they were always good, you know, in 1.6, but when you had a bunch of units that could hit on threes with uh, a crap load of attack dice, like they were still good, but you could get through it. I think in this version of the game, not only are weakened tokens so good, but it raises the stock so much in, in NCUs and abilities that can remove tokens. Um, so your Elaria, obviously already crazy good. She also removes a token. Um, Danny Khaleesi. Danny Khaleesi is crazy good. I, I think she should be played more. It's not just removing the tokens. Like the most powerful things, it's the rerolls. Exactly. And that's why tokens are good. And, and you, you kind of look at the, you break it down to the most fundamentally simple way of explaining why tokens are so good. It's rerolls. Anything that gives you rerolls is crazy good in the game um martial training it's why you reach for things with martial training it's why you go for scout orders it's why you want your charges not to be disorderly it's why you bog up other charges when they don't have access to rerolls so that you can deny them controlling rerolls in this game is so big and it even goes to warhammer fantasy and i was um kind of using some warhammer fantasy logic with with my gaming club to explain how important rerolls are i was like just Right off the top of your head, in Warhammer Fantasy 8th Edition, why were High Elves so dominant? Why were Dark Elves so dominant? They had really good magic, and they had... The, no, they had rerolls, man. The, the Always Strike First gave them rerolls. That's why they were so good. Their units had crap for defense, and, and you just transfer that same logic to any war game. It's rerolls. <laughs> rerolls are the, 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 like the greatest asset that you can get. And that is why you can make a case for the Night's Watch deck being really, really strong because they've got three cards in the deck and every one of them is a reverse condition token. Fire that burns gives you a reroll on a panic test. Shield gives you reroll defense. Light that brings the dawn gives you reroll to attacks. That's very strong in one deck to have a reverse to all of the tokens. And if you can get it out early, fire that burns, it didn't apply in our game because I had fire that burns both of them on the freaking trackers. I really wanted to get one on John, but you were a jerk, and I just kept bombing those panic tests. I was like, I have to play Fire That Burns, <laughs> or I'm going to die. I wanted it on John because I oh, I couldn't have. You had Ragnar Temps on John starting in round two, you monster. Um, that's where I wanted it at any rate, too, because when John's down to the second rank, I will totally take the wounds take weakened tokens off john if he's my hammer he's to. my hero he's my killer i am taking those wounds to keep the weakens off and so in in those cases fire that burns is very very big very important um token control token manipulation
token placement, token removal, any way that you can get rerolled in the game is super duper strong. I mean, and it's, for it's first prob- turn, first round, I will literally ignore the horse. If you go first and you take the envelopes, I will literally ignore the horse, take the swords and do nothing just so I can get those two tokens out at the end of the round. Oh, absolutely. And you, you did it to me. And I, I, I think I was mostly fine with it. Um, I think I pulled John up and did a quick fire, but then I, I kind of sunk myself into <laughs> into a failing into a failing strategy because I, I went into that game so sure based on like the, the test games that I'd played. I mean I was playing TTS to practice for this. Not a lot, not as much as I normally do, but I had my I had my little goon squad set up with guys, hey run this, hey run this. And I'm telling you, man, um I'm going to say that ours should have been a loss for me. But other than that, like playing into Martels, it's been a long time since I lost Martels. I think the last time, last time I lost them was in a mirror match, and I lost to Jacob Glaze, um, who's just a phenomenal UK player. I really think that was the last time I lost to Martels. And other than that, I've really just been bullying them, and I had this overinflated idea of how our game was going to go. But I've never played your list, and it didn't go how I thought it was going to go. I thought I was going to bully you. I thought I was going to bully you, and I did not. So much, much, no, much no, credit no to you. No one does. Much credit to you. <laughs> and, and, wasn't, well, I wasn't even practicing the Martel match anymore. I was so sure that I had it. To flip the credit back to you, um, I lost one unit in the first three games, as I mentioned. I lost one unit to Bob. Um, so in the first four games, I had lost two units. Over the course of probably 20 or 30 games leading up to that, I had maybe lost two or three units the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, you are the only person to ever kill two of my Martell units in the same game. Three? Hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you are the only person to beat me while I run Martells. Not only that, you're the only person score more than five victory points when I run Martels. Yeah. Or no, Bob was. Bob was first. Bob got you first. But Bob got to seven. So did you. But uh, yeah, so I mean to your credit too, like, obviously you won. So I mean all the credit goes to you. But it was yeah, a heck of a game. I think I think the I think the gist of this is, is a, a, a ton of mutual respect here. And uh, Absolutely. And I think I think I'm probably running what's the meta list. You know, you can... Nobody can claim this John list, okay? And I'm not even going to try. I mean, I wrote it within 30 seconds of the patch. Probably a whole bunch of other people did as well. Your list? That's you, dude. That's you, boo-boo. No, uh, nobody <laughs> oh, thanks, else can baby. claim that one. And, and, and I mean, I, it's, it's a thing. I really can appreciate and give a lot of credit when someone just comes up with something that's completely out of left field and it works. Don't think anybody else thought of that, man. I don't think anybody else thought of it. So kudos to you. I Um, appreciate it. I think, I think moving forward, instead of us playing, we'll just sit down and roll D six and then higher player wins. We'll call it a day. Cause every, every time we've ever played in a tournament, it has come down to one or two dice rolls. It has. It has. And, and that's, that's, an, that's something else I, I really briefly wanted to touch on is our history has been so incredibly ridiculously close. Um, you go yep. back to 
you go back to Gen Con, uh, Tyrion, or my High Sparrow versus your Howland. What happened? I happened to have double protection of the father against your Cranog play. And I managed to not lose poor fellows to that play. And even after all of that, it came down to that mountain that rides charge, um, which was, I think, I think I needed a four and you had Cranog traps in hand, which is minus two to speed. So it was going to be an impossible charge. I didn't draw a counterplot the entire game. I drew into both in that round. And I was able to counterplot you there, which was big, because I can't even make the charge without the counterplot. And then I sunk the four-plus charge. Um, so that was yep. that and game. You, you and didn't then, have the crown either. <laughs> you nope. didn't have rerolls on the counterplot. Correct. And so that was when I went on to play Chris Bloom's Great John Umber list for the final. Um, and then you go back to the one where I was playing Night's Watch in 1.7. And you had the Rob with Tully Cav. And it was like, I'm in trouble already as soon as the game starts because Starks versus Night's Watch is tough. Um, I was at the time I was running no Amon. My NCU was Corin, Craster, Walter Frey. And yeah, yeah, right from the beginning I had John and the Sworn Brothers and you were just bruising John with the double dev impact and it was like, okay, well this game's over. And it came down to that uh, Sworn Brothers charge into your flank. Sworn Brothers with no abilities charged your Tully Calf, and you failed every single defensive save. Every yep. single one on a 3-plus. Yeah, it was nine, it, nine, uh, nine saves on a 3-plus. I failed all nine. <laughs> I needed to pass two. Yeah, because it was no abilities, but I had Sword in the Darkness on them for 10 dice, and it was like, well... I don't think I'm going to kill him here, so we're probably going to extra innings. Because that was the game I, I gave you my ghost on accident. And Shane yeah. came over. Shane came over and looked at the score. And then he looked at ghost, and he was like checking. And he was like, have they activated? I was like, no. He was like, has ghost activated? Yeah, he's in a really bad spot. Shane was like, you just lost this game. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. I know. And you did go up. You did go up, and you had Rob trickling his way around. Rob in the in the Sworn Swords, I think, right? Mm-hmm. No, and he was, was in uh, Zerkers. That's right. No, you're right. He was Sworn Swords. It was Sworn Swords. He was. Um, yeah, I had two Zerkers and Sworn Swords. That's what I had. Yeah. Yep, and he was scoring two points around. Yep. Yep, he was at that time, and it was it was I was in hot water. And even if you go to the one where I didn't play you because you weren't there, I played Dave for a final at one of the cons. I can't remember if it was an Adepticon or a Gen Con, but I played his Baratheons. And it was a barn burner, too. It was a one-point game. Um, so historically, playing small council guys, playing you and Dave for the final matches, it's been one point or less. I beat Dave by one point. The Tully Cav game, I beat you by one point. The Lannister one, one point. And in this one, I didn't even beat you by a point. I beat you by a tie. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> it gets worse if you go back to the very first tournament I ever attended in my gaming career, in any game, was your store. And uh, I ended up going undefeated. Um, yep. And so did you. And the tiebreaker on who got first place was decided by, like, two or three points destroyed. Like, it was like the difference of an attachment 
Yep, that was one the of the that was one of the, Yep, it was an Acon primer. It was an Acon primer. I remember it. Um, <laughs> that was when Clash of Kings was like super busted for cavalry, and you had like your Outrider Tully Cavalist, and I was running Night's Watch with double Slademen, and we just <laughs> didn't play. We just didn't end up meeting, and we were both undefeated. And at the end of the round, the, or at the end of the game, um, Marty had initially had you as the winner. And then he, he was getting ready to announce it. And then he looked back and he had missed the, uh, he had missed a points destroyed. Somehow he did the math wrong. And he was like double checking his math. And he was like, Oh, 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 hold on, hold on. I was, I forgot to add something or he missed miscalculated. And he was like, you, you won by two points. And I was like, Oh boy, that's fun. (laughs) Yeah. Good stuff, man. I mean, even when we don't play, we're shoulder and shoulder, but whatever. Yeah, it's it's insane, dude. It's insane. It's been super close. Um, I have to say that it, it was great to play you, but I don't think I still haven't mentally recovered. I walked into my game room, even where all my song stuff is and all my painting is, and I've got miniatures set out that I was ready to paint, and I haven't even un- I haven't even unpacked my Night's Watch. They're still sitting in my trunk. And I'm just like, I'm just so Song of Ice and Fire drained that I just can't even bring myself to unpack it. Like, it was, it was a mental beating, man. It was really good. It was. But, all right, I think we should wrap up. It's been a good hour and a half of us talking. (laughs) um, Any, any, any final thoughts that you want to say? Like, I, I'll... Like let's you know for anybody listening, giving some advice for prepping for a con like this. Um, obviously, fortune favors the bold, and you went with something totally, completely unique, and it worked out really well for you. What advice would you give? Do you think that you do you overplay? Do you do you practice a ton of games? How do, are you preparing for the scariest thing in the meta? Do you prepare for missions? Give them give them some tips on how to get ready for a big event like this. Um, so it's kind of a loaded question in that, uh, you know, I don't practice very much. Um, I've got mm-hmm. a couple of buddies I play. I've probably played 10 games total since the thing came out. That doesn't mean I don't prepare. Um, I do a ton of stuff on the side that isn't necessarily straight up playing games, but, um, I don't, sometimes I prepare for them. It really depends. Sometimes I prepare for the meta. Um, other times, like for example, this time, I prepared for certain players. I prepared for Bob. I prepared for you. And I knew what you guys were going to run, roughly. So I prepared for that. Um, because I thought, well, if I can't beat you guys, it doesn't matter anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, But it, I know you guys. I talk to you guys all the time. If you're just going to a con and you don't know um, anyone, then, then that you can't do that, obviously. And you really have to just prepare for what you think the meta is going to be. Um, advice on list building. Uh, I'm going to preface this by saying stats is a fantastic tool. Carlo has done a great job with it. Hats off to him. Um, use it. Use the hell out of it. Learn everything you can from it, okay? But that doesn't mean it's the last word. And what I mean by that is play style matters. What you're trying to do with your list matters. What roles you want to fill matter. Um, an example of that, uh, Targaryens, uh, even Carlo hit, hit on this a couple weeks ago on their um, show. 
and that was every competitive Targaryen player knows that Dothraki Outriders are one of the best units in the faction. They're fantastic. Everyone knows it. You go look at stats, they're ranked at the bottom of, of all the units in the faction, or were at the time. Um, reason being, they were played a lot, and the Targaryens were losing a lot, so, you know, it dropped. Um, so use stats. Definitely use stats to see how things are going. Look at other people's lists, see what they're doing, see how they're handling different matchups. But at the end of the day, you have to pick units in your list that fill the role that you want filled. Um, I, with Outriders, they are not a highly ranked unit. They've been more or less dismissed by the community to the point where sitting down even across from experienced players, how'd you get Starfall Knights into a list with Flademen? Well, I didn't. Martells have two different cavalry. Like, they didn't. They had forgotten the unit even existed because it is buried so low. But it filled every role I needed it to fill. I needed a unit that could hit Lance Cav before Lance Cav could charge me. They could, they were fast enough to do that. I needed something to stop outflank. They could do that. I wanted Rally Cry in the list. They had Rally Cry. So what I'm saying with that is not necessarily pick Outriders. I'm saying pick the unit that fills the role you need filled, irregardless of what anyone else says about the unit. Um, unless, of course, the unit actually is complete trash. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but build the list to fit what you need done. Fit your own play style, not someone else's. I could sit down with Brett's list right now and get whooped because it's not my list, it's not my play style, um, and maybe vice versa. So play what works for you. That's my advice. Yeah, and and I I mean I'll I'll echo some of the same. Um, going and just copying a net list, we'll call it, or a, a previous championships list, or someone from overseas who won a big event copying their list, is not necessarily the best thing that you can do, um, because a lot of that is the style. It's the style of the um, of the player that's writing the list. They have something in mind. Um, it's there's probably like a weird little tech piece in there. And if you don't know how to use that tech piece properly, then the list probably won't function the way that you want it to. Um, the other thing is, um, I think there's merit to building two lists that cover different aspects of the game. Now, I didn't do it this time, but normally I build one list that is for a killing for killing light armor. It, it, the, the, the last version of the game, I had a light armor killing list. That was John with hunters. I had a armor busting list, which was sworn brothers, um, be it Donald Noy, John snow commander. So you can rally cry, whatever the case was, that was how I approached the game. This particular version, um, the John snow list that I ran primarily just happens to be basically all comer. So my second list was just a, a tech list for a situation where I really needed to make sure that I had cards and I wanted the healing. And so that was teched into free folk spam and potentially the mirror match because I've got Sam, Gilly, um, Corrin, and Donald. I don't even have Amon in that list for the healing. And it's got conscripts. And that's so that I can get through those hidden traps and then heal with the conscripts. And I want Sam, Gilly so that I have the four-card hand, and if, I, if, if my opponent doesn't play the tactics board with caution against Gilly, 
I can block out one or two of their NCUs in the round, and then they've lost those activations. And in those matches, it's super important. And so my, my special tech piece in my lists was Sam Gilly. And I think they're really good now because of that. If you're playing the three versus three match, typically it's like on the turns where you're not first player, you just flip one NCU and then you're fine. You don't have to worry about the board. Like it's my NCU, your NCU, my NCU, you flip my NCU. There's only one spot left on the board. Now you maybe think you've got the freedom to go activate a combat unit. If I stick my ghillie on the board at that point, you lost your NCU. You lost an activation. You lost a spot on the board and all of that. So you got to be very careful playing into that. Um, so it's, it's just something like that. And, and being honest, for this year, I was a little bit lazier with my prep than I wanted to be. So I really I didn't have a second list. And it came down to stuff that I had painted. Now, ideally, what I want for my second list is Jon Snow in a unit of crossbows. But I didn't have crossbows painted. I think Jon Snow in a unit of crossbows with, some, with a watch marshal to be able to shift him and some other shenanigans. I think it's a, a nice, very, very good complimentary list. Uh, the John Crossbows can go to 766 because of boldness. That's 877 with Corrin. That is a ready aim release with six dice. Uh, that's a really strong piece. And it was what I wanted to do um, as my kind of anti-free folk, anti-martel list, but I, I just didn't have time to paint the crossbows. So, um, And at Adepticon and Gen Con in particular, I play painted stuff. Um, one last thing before we go, I was just combing through the stats, and there there is a staggering statistic that I had missed. Did you notice uh, John Cash, Juan Dinero, had the most kill points? And you Did had he? second. You had the second most at 105, which is crazy across five games. So you're killing 21 points a game. That's nuts. Juan Donato, 115 kill points with his great with his uh, Call Drogo list and his Grey Worm list. I'm gonna read his list because I think John Cash is he just makes cool lists, and I, I really like what he's done. Um, oh, and he did pretty list. he did he did pretty well. He placed 12th, and and I think he did do a really nice job with his list. I think they're cool and unique. Um, and he made this uh, Drogo list at the last minute. Um, he was messing around with some other stuff, and this is what he landed on, and I really like it. Uh, he's got Drogo and Bloodriders, Dora, Outriders with a Fortune Seeker, Double Harakars, Khaleesi, Lirio, and Peter. I really like that list. His second list is Cutthroats with Grey Worm, Unsullied Swordmasters with Shakaz, Unsullied Swordmasters with Ramsey Reek, Mercs with an Unsullied Officer, Little Jora, and then he's running Miri and Masande. Now, I think he's running Masande to make sure he gets Battle Endurance, would be my assumption. But he's got a nice little trick going on here with Miri because he told me he suicides his Stormcrow mercenaries. And then he uses Miri to put the Unsullied Officer in one of the Swordmasters, both of which have Fueled by Slaughter. And then he just goes to killing. Um, <laughs> both of them have Fueled by Slaughter. Shakaz has Insight. Uh, Ramsey obviously has intimidating presence. Those are two really nasty swordmaster units, and he, you know, he just moves he moves attachments around with Miri. Um, it's two NCU, and he he makes it work. 
Um, obviously, he killed a lot. Even in the games he lost, he killed a lot. So um, I really like his, his, his Miri Worm list is what he calls it. I, I really like it. Um, it's evolved because it used to be Cutthroats with Unsullied Officer when we had the old Relentless. So it's evolved since then. And I quite like what he's got going on. Um, I'm certain that the, the mercenaries are able to do some damage before they go down. And then when you pop Miri and, and get that unsullied officer into the sword masters, it starts to get really scary. And I think if he's playing against a, an army that has a ton of ranged, which is what'll kill that Miri list. He just deploys the Drogo list. He's got the movement six Harakars. Um, obviously the Drogo Blood Riders, and then he's got the Outriders with the Fortune Seekers, so he can scout with Jorah and do some real nasty damage. So that's that. I just wanted to shout Juan out. Um, I did did not realize he killed so many points. I mean, that is a dude go, going down swinging. 23 points destroyed <laughs> a game is a lot. Cause in what was a, in his record? 3-2? and two? He was 3-2, and two. yeah. He was 3-2. and two. I I could go look at his his, I think you can just click on them now on stats and see their their rounds. Um, maybe you can. I thought you could. Yeah, you can. I got it. So the first game he played against T Fox from Sunday Slaughter. That's ten. Yeah, he lost that one. He destroyed twelve points. He ran the call into well, into Kevin. So yeah. Oh, then yeah, feast for crows. 40 points destroyed? <laughs> That's crazy. 40 points? Did the dude not run NCUs? What was the list he played? That might be a miscalculation. Yeah, it's... He played into Lee Blakey, who ran Mage Mormont. Commander. Zero victory points, zero points destroyed. He had 10 and 40. And then mm. Maybe he didn't have the most kill points. Maybe not. Uh, that that might be a case where here we stand. That maybe they accidentally counted the points for each time he killed the unit, and then they stayed alive. Eh. Oh well. I, I, uh, I need to wrap yeah. up. We've we've got ten yep. minutes, and I I need to uh, I need to get to work. But thank you again for coming on, and thank you to everyone who had a listen to us. Um, again, super fun. If you're on the fence about going to adapt Adepticon, I think it's one that you should really budget your time to go to, to join. Um, I think it's absolutely worth the time. It's worth the trip. Um, and I, I'd really love to see more people next year and just kind of keep it going. We doubled the number from last year. I'd like to see us get into 60, 70 or more next year. Um, it's great. Marty is the greatest and nicest tournament organizer I think I've ever met. Um, and just as a person, he's a beautiful person. Um, so you should definitely come check it out. Uh, anything from you, Craig? Uh, no, I'll just echo everything you said. Uh, Depticon's one of the best events I've been to, uh, this one in particular, and Marty did a hell of a job. So hats off to him and everyone else who helped him. Okay, well, with that, uh, we'll see you guys. Thanks for having a listen, and we'll see you next time.